Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey everyone, it's Evian, and I'm coming to you live from an Airbnb in Los Angeles where the sun is kissing my face <laughs> and I am living my whole ass best life. Uh, I originally came to LA for work. I had a speaking gig that I was doing with Playboy and then a couple of meetings regarding some exciting partnerships that are soon to come. So yeah, this trip was meant to be all business, but it slowly turned into a vacation where I've been meeting up with some of my favorite people, eating amazing food, reconnecting with nature and my partner, and giving myself lots of pleasure as a garbage truck comes barreling down the street that I'm in. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. So as I'm recording this, I am right in the middle of vacation mode, and that's why I am re-releasing one of the most popular episodes of The Sexually Liberated Woman. Uh, this episode came out two years ago, but I still get emails about how profound this episode was. It's the one where I talked to Dr. Zaleka Clark about Oshun. Oshun is the Yoruba deity of sexuality and pleasure. And me and Dr. Zaleka talked about what it looks like to decolonize black femme sexuality. After re-listening to this episode, I understand why it's so popular. I mean, it's about reclaiming sexuality and spiritual practices that we, Black people, have long since been disconnected from, thanks to colonization. And as I was listening to it again, I felt something click inside of me, like, oh, yeah, this legacy of sexual freedom and fluidity and honoring of the divine feminine, I remember this. This is my heritage. I feel like this conversation is a permission slip for all of us to seek and claim the pleasure that is our birthright uh, as an act of resistance against systems of oppression that tells us we're not allowed to access or desire that pleasure. So yeah, it's amazing. Dr. Zaleka is amazing. And I really hope you enjoy listening and revisiting this important conversation. Okay, as the wind is blowing furiously through my beaded curtain, <laughs> I'm going to let you go. I'm going to go outside, frolic in the sun in my hoe clothes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you for being here and I'll talk to you soon. Hey everyone, I'm Evian Whitney, and welcome to the Sexually Liberated Woman podcast. 
So there's someone whose name I've been seeing come up a lot lately. I've heard her name used before a couple of times, but lately it seems like she is everywhere. In my witchy spaces, in the articles I've been reading about feminism and sexuality, in the music that I'm listening to. She's even showing up in my client work, and that's when I was like, okay, who is this woman, and why are people talking about her so much? You're probably wondering who I'm referring to, and I'm talking about Oshun, a Yoruba deity, an African goddess of femininity, sexuality, and sensual pleasure. And as I started to explore who she was, I noticed my curiosity began to grow to the point where I wanted to know even more about her, particularly how I could potentially use Oshun and her influence in my spiritual and sexual life. And that's when I remembered Dr. Zaleka's work. I stumbled across Dr. Zaleka through this Women of Color Sexual Health Network that we're both a part of, and I noticed that she was posting a lot about Oshun and this other thing I'd never heard of called Oceanality. And I was really interested in her work and what she had to say about Oshun. So I hit her up and it turns out that she did her entire dissertation on Oshun, Afro-Indigenous spirituality, and Black femme sexuality. She actually allowed me to read through her dissertation, which completely blew my mind. And that's when I was hooked. I knew I had to invite her onto the podcast and get her to share with us some of her wisdom. So my intention in getting her on the podcast was to interview her about Oshun, who she is, what she represents, and the ways that we might use Oshun and her influence as an erotic muse. But after reading her dissertation and having this conversation with her, it became very clear to me that Oshun wasn't just a goddess. She was a catalyst that helped instigate these really beautiful awakenings in Dr. Zaleka's sexuality and black femme identity. So a lot of what we talked about wasn't so much about Oshun as an Orisha, but the ways Oshun has helped Dr. Zaleka come to some incredible realizations about herself that have completely transformed the way she expresses herself as a sexual being. All of that is to say, in this conversation, we talk about so many things. We talk about African sexuality and what that sexuality looked like outside of the patriarchy. We talked about the process of decolonizing sexuality and creating new and empowering narratives about the erotic. We talked about sensuality, radical self-care, transgenerational trauma, pleasure in non-sexual things, menstruation, self-love as a way of fighting internalized oppression, and oceanality, which after this conversation, I'm going to be practicing much more mindfully. So I don't usually do this, but I feel like it's fitting for this episode. Before getting into it, I invite you to make yourself a cup of tea, maybe light a candle, and create a space where you can really take this conversation in. It is so rich and informative, and I think it's really going to rock your world. Okay, enjoy. I am so excited to talk to you today about Oshun, and um, it's something that I keep seeing coming up in my Facebook feeds, in my spiritual circle, and particularly around this idea of sexuality. So I feel like you're the best person to talk to about this, and I just have so many questions about her and you and um, what it is about Oshun that inspires you so much. Great. Yeah. Thank you for talking with me. (laughs) So I guess my first question is like, just like on a basic level, because there's so many people, myself included, who don't really have an understanding of who Oshun is, but they're seeing and hearing about Oshun so much, particularly in pop culture with Beyonce and, and the Lemonade album. Who is Oshun and like what does she represent? Like where does she come from? That's a great question. I think to start off, we're talking about um, Yoruba spirituality out of uh, modern day Nigeria. And Oshun is an Orisha. An Orisha is a force of nature or an energy matrix or um, a deity or goddess. 
Oshun is associated with fresh water and is also associated with fertility, wealth, joy, sensuality, childbirth. Um, she's the protector of women. She's known as the source or um, a conduit through which all life flows and is known as the epitome of sensuality and sexual pleasure. Mm. One thing that I really love, Audre Lorde writes, wrote a poem uh, called The Winds of Orishas, and she has a line in there, the beautiful Oshun and I lie down together in the heat of her body my truth becomes stronger. She also represents knowledge and she calls attention to um, embodied truths. So she's also an Orisha of unconditional love, um, reciprocity, diplomacy. She's associated with creativity and love. I think also it's kind of just, I always have a hard time summarizing it because she's complex and there's many different stories and many interpretations and it's semi-problematic to even try to put put descriptive words on her but those are kind of little summaries of what Oshun represents. Yeah I'm so glad that you mentioned that little piece about how Oshun encompasses so much and from what it sounds like she encompasses things that our language can't really contain for her um so I appreciate that you're like bringing awareness in this conversation to that like you know we're speaking about something that is a force something that is bigger than us something that like we with our human minds can't fully understand and contain. And I actually wanted to know, you know, you, you wrote your entire dissertation on Oshun and Oceanality. What is it about Oshun that fascinates you so much? Some say that it's Oshun that found me, um, or I kind of just kept stumbling upon um, Oshun. I was reading... African Sexualities, a reader by Sylvia Tamale. And there's a chapter on sex positivity, and it talks about Oshunality. And so for me, I was just really fascinated with trying to figure out what does sexuality look like outside of patriarchy, outside of Western philosophy, and really what what was genders and sexuality like before Christianity and Islam on motherland. And so I think that oceanality was a big kind of clue and glimpse into... I don't mean to cut you off. I just want to know, what what is oceanality exactly? The simplest definition is African eroticism Mm. and sensuality. Okay. But it also affirms the diversity of sexual pleasures and eroticism Mm. affirms the normality of sexual pleasure to me it's a paradigm it's not like a orientation it is way of looking at sexuality that is not um western and so for me it's coming from a post-colonial more african-centered perspective and so with that it normalizes pleasure and in, in, in certain sexual behaviors and fantasies and eroticism that may be deemed, you know, have a lot of judgment in the Western concept. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And so it challenges kind of our Western ideology and even having sex to revolve around a penis. Oceanality has uh, uh, one of the core concepts is the devouring vagina that um, <laughs> I love this. It speaks to the agency of the vulva. And instead of the penis being a sign of dominance, um, it talks about during intercourse where the penis is being swallowed, it's made to disappear. Um, and then the withdrawing of the penis is seen as an act of resistance from being pulled in and re-swallowed by the demanding vagina. And so I think it's really interesting that it has this narrative that kind of changes the Western narrative of sex. is like the penis is going to conquer the vagina and 
sex kind of supposed to revolve around a, a, a male orientated kind of narrative. And so this is, this is a different narrative that um, I found very uh, fascinating. And yeah. it just opened up new ways of looking at sex and, and made me question all of the messages that I got in kind of Western understanding of sex and sexuality. Yeah, this whole idea of oceanality, it feels really empowering for women. Like like women are not so much the passive receivers in sex, mm-hmm. but that they are like active participants, maybe even the assertive people, which mm-hmm. is a huge shift in the way that I've been taught about sex and the way that I've been brought up when I think about sex. I think about men as being the the dominant one and women as being the passive right. one. So like what you're talking about with oceanality is this idea of women being seen as powerful like this whole concept of oshun and oceanality is really fascinating me right now because it's so different absolutely i i think that it definitely is like it's the woman that decides if they're going to allow anything to enter it it just reminds me of the power of the vulva and that is often missing in in western narratives yeah so you mentioned that as you were learning about oceanality, you were kind of confronted with all of these things and all of these beliefs that didn't really quite fit. I'm curious about the things that you were having to like work through as a result of practicing oceanality, but also realizing like, wow, this is vastly different from the way that I've been taught and the way that the world as a whole kind of sees sex. Yeah, it was kind of challenging just because it's like everything I ever knew may be <laughs> a lie, you know, so there was a, a big jolt or, you know, what messages have I been internalizing that I took for truth that is not empowering me? And just even, I think, fighting misogynoir or like the hatred of black women, it's like, I may not consciously think, I mean, I love myself, but looking at depictions of Oshun, she really loves herself. She is, she knows she's beauty. She emanates beauty in so many different ways and she has no problem looking at herself in the mirror. So for me, it was like, why do I have issues looking at in the mirror for over a certain amount of time? Oh, this is probably the messages that I've been taught. Oh, don't be narcissistic. Don't be too vain. You know, all these, these things, but it just made me question it all and really finding truth in my embodied knowledge, ancestral wisdom, and just experiencing the joys that my body can have. My body has capabilities of healing and, and receiving pleasure. Mm. So it was, it was really developing my sensuality, my understanding of sensuality in a non-judgmental way with a radical self-acceptance. I mean, I was moving in sensual ways, listening to music, smells and tastes and foods and all all of the pleasures that's available to us that we may not be touching upon because it's not seen as proper or politics of respectability or, you know, other messaging that that I've been receiving. Yeah, you're talking about this idea of sensuality, which I love so much. And I've been trying to practice trying to take away this idea that my genitals and sexual intercourse is the only way to experience sexual energy. Mm -hmm. And I like this idea of like, really being in my own body and like, you know, finding pleasure through things that aren't necessarily, not necessarily sexual right? in the ways that like our culture and our society tells us that they should be sexual and how like incredibly amazing it is to realize that there are so many ways that I can experience pleasure that don't necessarily look like having penis and vagina sex. Yeah. And that's what I was I was realizing, too. Like, there's so many different ways because we think sensuality is a part of sexuality and it doesn't even have to be sexual the way we understand it. Yeah. But there's also our 
innerverse, like our inner universe and our sexual inner universe, we have our emotional sexual self, our social sexual self, our spiritual sexual self, our physical sexual self. You know, we have so many different aspects, even of our internalized desires and um, what provides eroticism. And really what was very transformative formative for me was understanding the power of self-love and the importance of self-love just loving myself and all all of me that was a big part of fighting internalized oppression and unlearning kind of the messages that I've I've got because if I'm looking at media I'm, I'm gonna just start nitpicking at myself but Moving into radical self-acceptance and and self-love, I was really able to begin to decolonize myself or unlearn negative forms of oppression and being present in the here and now and being standing in my power. Yeah, yeah. I like that you just use the word decolonize. And I had the honor and privilege to read through your dissertation, which is amazing, by the way. It's so Thank it's you. so <laughs> in depth. Like I can tell that you poured hours and all of like your heart and your blood and your sweat and tears into this work. And it just it really like resonates in that way. It's so beautiful. But one thing that came up a lot in your dissertation was um, this idea of having um, a colonized sexuality and this process of decolonizing that sexuality, Mm -hmm. particularly for black femmes, which I really, really appreciate. And I wondered if you could talk about what a colonized sexuality looks like and what that process of decolonizing that sexuality is as a practice. So I talk about um, sexual colonialism, basically how... um, our understanding of sexuality has been hijacked through the colonizer's eyes Mm. and lens. And so some examples are like body policing and shaming. So white beauty standards, um, and then internalized oppression, like misogynoir, hatred of black women, but also even the way we see gender, because gender is a colonial imposition and thinking if we have an, a binary view of gender, for me, that's a colonized view that we've internalized. So kind of even opening up our understanding of gender, because, um, again, it makes me think of, you know, Yoruba language is genderless. There's no pronouns, mm. you know. So even speaking English now and translating Yoruba concepts into English, we're the patriarchalization occurs and and there's gendering that happens that kind of changes our perception. So in terms of our understanding of sexuality, even black sexuality, you know, it's been misused to misinterpret black women's bodies mm-hmm. and hypersexualized and dehumanized and used for um, justification of rape and a lot of other problematic things that happened Um, And so I think of different ways to understand sexuality that's not based off of white, capitalistic, cis, hetero patriarchy. And I think that looking at non-phallocentric views of sex was just so enlightening for me. And I think it can be for black femmes, for other people, for men too, because there's just not one narrative available. There's multiple narratives available. And we've only been given one narrative and all of the others have been silenced and marginalized. So reviving this narrative is really refreshing to me. It gives us more choice. You can choose what is truthful to you and what stories are, are can be beneficial to unlocking the the blocks that we have for ourselves to be great and to fulfill our purpose in life. We have a right to pleasure. That is our right. And there's been a lot of systems in place for us not to have access to that. And even erotophobia, like the, not fear is a strong word, but making eroticism negative. Mm not embracing all of the joys of pleasure. So 
having an open mind in terms of who we are as a, as sexual beings or non-sexual beings, or even who we are as the self looking at what it means to be a human from different lenses can be very empowering just to have a better understanding of who we are. Yeah. And what you're speaking to, I feel are things that are really deeply entrenched in us. Like when I think about like my ancestors and the way that they saw their sexuality, and I'm not talking about like distant ancestors, like I'm talking about my great, great grandmother and how their ideas about sex and sexuality and womanhood were so ingrained in them that those things like I'm this is a little woo but I believe it like I believe that those things can get so ingrained in us like not just on a on an intellectual level but on a like a physiological level that like those certain um core woundings are unconsciously and indirectly passed down to to me and so all of this sounds so amazing, like this idea of decolonizing sexuality and coming to a place of erotic power and reclaiming your black sexuality, especially if you're a black femme. But it also sounds really hard to do because of how how entrenched these things are and how much core wounding there is around slavery and racism and sexism and Mm -hmm. misogyny. Like all of these things are just so Mm -hmm. deep and it almost feels like hard to do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what you're speaking to transgenerational trauma transmission and it happens, it's up to seven generations. I mean, there's new studies that show that, yeah, trauma is not only transmitted, but you have other things that are being transmitted as well. And so I think about unlearning these things and kind of breaking these patterns that have been given to us. You know, I kind of want to bring it down to like a personal level. Like you mentioned a minute ago that you had to unlearn a lot of things in order to heal yourself from that transgenerational trauma. And I wondered like, what was that process like for you? Like, how did you un? How did you begin that process of unlearning those things? I know that's kind of like a loaded question because yeah. <laughs> I know that there's a lot, right? I actually created a whole model that speaks to my experience. I call it the auto-sexual decolonization model. Ooh, okay. And so um, first part is awareness, learning about colonialism and the oppressive forces that are at, at work, and then deconstructing, deconstructing critical thinking, you know, I thought I knew what sex was. I thought I knew what sexuality was. I thought I knew what gender was. And I broke it down to such an extent where I had no idea what it was, or I just questioned the information that I got. And then I got to a place where when you you deconstruct and then I reconstructed. So I kind of took all of the information that I knew and used my creativity and put words to these experiences that I was having in a non-pathologized way. And so then I talk about sexual decolonization or just kind of having an empowering viewpoint of who I am as a sexual being outside of oppressive forces. Mm. And then I got it on a theoretical level, but then the, the practice of it, taking the theory and putting it into action. Mm-hmm. So that that's that was uh, my autosexual decolonization process and it's really using self love and self determination and self knowledge to challenge and undo negative effects of colonialism mm. or patriarchy or you know other oppressive forces that may um limit how we understand ourselves and the potential that we have mm. um one example I use or that is big is how I came to understand getting my period. So I kind of was just like always a drag, like this is a bummer. Like I have – it was an inconvenience to me yeah. getting cramps. and That's how it is for me. <laughs> I just had like kind of negative – a negative kind of orientation to it. But when I – was asking about oceanality. She's, um, or Oshun, she is a ruler of creative organs. So that's associated with the womb and the vulva. And so she's also associated with menstruation. And one of the 
priestesses that I was interviewing, she said, you know, Oshun is associated with sexuality of menstruation. And I was like, whoa. And then I look it up. There's There are people that are really into that. It's menosexuality, huh. menosexuals. They're lovers of those who menstruate. And Interesting. <laughs> there's also the opposite. <laughs> And so I, I started thinking about it in, in a, an empowering way, thinking about it as a privilege. Not mm. all people can even have that. Or even thinking about pain in a different way. Instead of pain being associated with negative, pain being a form of awareness, being a form of knowledge, and having a different connotation associated with pain and now when I'm experiencing cramps, I'm like, oh, hi, thank you. I have a uterus. I'm aware of it. And then it reminds me of Oshun and it reminds me of the power of my ancestors and all that we've endured. And I'm grateful that I'm not numb. I'm grateful that I can feel. And when I can feel the pains, then I can enjoy me not being in pain. I think pain can inform us. It's a way a body is communicating with us. And so like, what, what is my body telling me? Mm. What a beautiful and like radical way of looking at your period. Like I've heard of people right. like decolonize menstruation. Yes. Like I've heard of, <laughs> I've heard of people like taking their period blood and like having their own rituals. But this idea, like everything that you were just speaking of just now, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like taking it to a whole other level. Like I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah. I think we've, we've allowed patriarchal narratives and we've internalized them. And it's having an effect on our experiences and our interpretation of our own bodies. So yeah. I'm like, you know, what are some non-patriarchal ways of viewing my body? And and why am I feeling shame of something that's natural? And it really shifted my whole understanding of self because, you know, being in radical self-acceptance, I was like, how is it that I'm not accepting the fact that I that I bleed sometimes? You know, that that can't just... That can't be excluded from me accepting myself. When I say accept yourself, it's all parts of yeah. self. That's a really, really good point because like, you know, in my personal journey, I've been trying to accept my body and and myself and my darkness and all these other things. But like mm-hmm. oftentimes the period, because it's such a pain in the ass, like I don't really think about my period as something that I need to accept consciously and like really right. work to just like move out of the way of and like just allow it to just be what it is. Um, and so I like this idea of taking radical self-acceptance to a level that looks at the not so pleasant parts of you, like yeah. your period and yeah. cramps and bleeding out of your vagina. Cause yeah, it's, it's pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to minimize anyone's experience of it, but again, we're not being given alternative narratives, even childbirth. Mm. You don't see priestesses of Oshun giving birth. And then we're now hearing of orgasmic births. You know, yeah. if we're only taught that, oh, this is going to be horrible. It's I'm not saying that it's not painful, but it's sure. the way we deal with the pain. It's how we're how we understand our pain and move through it in an empowering way. There's so many things that we've been taught by experts, by science, by facts that may be counterintuitive to our ancestral knowledge, to our embodied knowledge. For me, it's just I want to know different ways, different perspectives so I can have a choice, so I can be empowered in terms of how I'm going to approach my challenges and my bodily functions and and going through life as a human. Mm. It it seems like with Oshun and Oshunality, you're talking about putting the power in your hands and like taking the power away from structures and systems of oppression that have led you to believe that sex or femaleness or femininity or um, sensuality is one particular thing. And all of this sounds like so incredibly, really very like, 
I was going to say feministy, but like that sounded like a buzzword, but it really is. Like I think that there there's something very like inherently feminist about Oshun. Oh yeah, some call her the first mm. feminist. <laughs> oh, one thing I wanted to say is that thinking about power instead of scarcity and hoarding because we're used to only certain people having power, but I think this is talking about empowerment and power in a in a way different paradigm that's talking about it in an abundance mm. uh, way and that we all have access to it internally, but there's also forces that we may not, may not even see. We say worldview, but that privileges these um, very concrete ways of being able to measure things. But the Yoruba talk about a world sense mm. and some things can't even be seen, right? There is a potential for other things going on that we can't necessarily see, like uh, guardian angels or orishas or our ancestors that may be doing work, things that we, we may not even know about and are beyond our human capacity for understanding that may be working in our favor, that may be supporting us. And so recognizing power beyond what we even know. Yeah, I really appreciate that you just spoke to power and looking at power in a different way. Because like, this was actually a conversation that I have with a client of mine recently, we were talking about reclaiming and stepping into our power. And there was this point in our conversation where there started to be a little discomfort around even using that word or even thinking about us as powerful mm -hmm. because of these systems of oppression that we know very well that are very powerful and pervasive. So I like this idea of you kind of helping to like reform and even kind of reclaim this idea of power and centering it not in a way of like you have power over someone, but like I don't know that there's some right. sort of unity around that. Yeah, I think that I'm like decolonize power. I think we have to <laughs> really start. <laughs> yes. I don't even know what that would look like. But I, I do think that, first of all, power is very complicated, but it doesn't have to be hoarded. Mm. It can be shared. And there's so much within ourselves that we've been conditioned not to know. We've been conditioned not to know our power. And so it's gonna, it's getting scary, especially for those who have hoarded the conventional understanding of power to see how powerful those marginalized folks really are when we stand in our truth. When was the last time you had an orgasm? Okay, but when was the last time you had an orgasm that was so incredible it healed your sexuality? Lots of us approach masturbation as just a thing to do to get us off and move on with our day. But what if you could touch yourself to facilitate sexual liberation? With chakras, you can. I've been using my chakras for years, and what I love about it is that chakras not only gets me off, but helps me create an intentional self-pleasure practice that connects me to my body and my inner wisdom. Chakrabs is a woman-owned sexual wellness company that makes beautiful, handcrafted pleasure tools from pure crystal. These crystals are a natural, earth-made material that come with their own unique properties to help awaken higher levels of consciousness, help you work through emotional imbalances, and heal deep core wounding. And the orgasms are incredible. If you want to bring sensual vibes and much needed healing to your sexuality, go to chakrabs.com and use my code LIBERATION to get 15% off your purchase. That's C-H-A-K-R-U-B-S dot com, promo code LIBERATION for 15% off your purchase. Center your pleasure and heal your sexuality with chakrabs and may your orgasms be plentiful. I love everything you're saying. I want to know more about Oshun, and I want to learn about the ways that I can adopt 
some of these practices and ideologies of Oshun as a way of empowering me and helping me to step fully into my black femme sexuality. Where should I go next? Like what what would be a really good way for me to dip a toe into Oshun and Oceanality? Ooh, everyone's journey is different. I think for me it was practicing mindfulness, making time for self-love and self-adoration. Mm. Um, but the practice of mindfulness has been really helpful. It's actually been used as a tool for um neuro decolonization or decolonizing your mind. So um for me it's trying to sit quietly in meditation and you can uh, talk to experts. I mean, in terms of spiritual fulfillment, you may want to set up a safe environment within their means. And this may be creating like a shrine or, or a place to honor our ancestors or deities that may be watching over or guiding us. I think about, um, I just want to share like a, a little ritual. Yeah, please do. This is like people who are struggling to get get that self-love popping mm-hmm. is taking water, maybe just like a glass of water and sitting and meditating with that water and giving very loving messages to the water and thinking about things that you love and kind of infusing the water with a loving energy and then drinking that water and allowing the love infused water to penetrate your body. There's been studies about the memory that water holds. And, you know, there was a really fun Japanese experiments on, on water and energy. And yeah, I heard about that. Like these people would say certain things to water and they would freeze it, right? Yep. The crystals will be so beautiful for the ones that were told positive things and then the the water that were was told negative things were not symmetrical and kind right. of deformed. So yeah, I mean thinking about what we're ingesting in our body, but just simple thing like looking yourself in the mirror and checking out your body and doing a body map or exploring your erogenous zones and and accepting what brings you pleasure, what are your passions. You know, I think this is a really important time right now to really be clear on who you are and being open to what that may look like. A lot of us are like, I want to meet my star-crossed lover, but I think it's really important to be in a space where you're thinking about self-love first before we go out and seek it from others, you know, finding peace within ourselves so that the behavior of others do not disturb us. I love that you, I was expecting for you to go on about some books that I can read. I actually love that you said self-care and self-love because that is something that is doable. I mean, it's, reading a book is fine, but like we're talking about some pretty heady kind of stuff right now. And I really love practices that help get me back into my body and practice this in a way where I can actually like embody the things that I'm wanting to explore. And I, and because Oshun, it sounds like she is so much about embodiment and sensuality and pleasure and self-love and adornment like Mm -hmm. just knowing that I can build a practice a sexual liberation practice with Oshun with the help of self-love self-care mirror work I love this like saying love notes into water like I love this I'm gonna try that like right after I get off the phone with you (laughs) (laughs) yeah the there's there's lots of books that we can get, but it's also just finding our own truth and really pampering yourself, taking your own self as a lover, Mm. romancing yourself. Like we, we may be so focused on romancing other people. What about taking your relationship with yourself really seriously? Yes. That's something that me and my clients talk about a lot, like this idea of having a solo sexual relationship with yourself and like treating yourself sexually the way that you would treat your lover sexually. Um, I love that. I love that so much. 
You're talking about self-care a lot and this idea of using oceanality as a way of self-care. I wonder what is your self-care practice look like in this realm of oceanality? A lot of times it's self-romancing, well, t- treating myself as my own romantic partner and um, being affirming in my sensuality and what brings me joy. And I love music and um, there's sometimes music just gets me going in a way where my waistline starts to move with the rhythms and I'll ride the rhythm. And so I think of twerking for liberation or dancing (laughs) for self-care. And when the music's playing, I love to just freestyle dance. I love hearing that there is someone else on this planet that uses twerking as a way of practicing self-love and self-care because I do that all the time. It's so good. It really can shift my mood. I can just not be in the right zone and... I put on a nice song with a sweet rhythm and I just, it's my, my butt just starts going. (laughs) Yes. What's your favorite twerking song? Right now I'm like on this, um, shining with Beyonce and Jay-Z. Oh yeah. And it's more so the beats. I try not to get into the lyrics so much because, you know, as a womanist, I just get caught up in how things are problematic, but totally just giving my space to be, um, multifaceted and, can just enjoy, you know, not having to have the critical mind on all the time and just turning it off and just listening to some ratchet songs. <laughs> yes. And and being okay with it and not judging myself and kind of just allowing my body to move freely to to the rhythms and yeah, it's just really liberating for me. I love that. Cuz I lo- I lose it. I don't know what time it is. You know, when you can lose yourself in the music, it's very interesting what it can happen to the body. And music does have some vibrational things that it carries. So um, just kind of tuning into my embodied wisdom and taking a break from the pains of being woke. I love that. (laughs) I love that. Actually, I would like to ask, like, what are a few books that, you know, if people do want to get more into, like, the nitty-gritty, the heady, the intellectual part of this, like, what are some books that people could start with? Um, Oh, my goodness. So my favorite book is African Sexualities, I mentioned before. I really enjoyed The Invention of a Woman by Orumi. And there's Queering Creole Spiritual Traditions that I found a lot of really fun um, stories. He does great research that is not heterosexist. Um, I read a little bit about the different interpretation of menstruation, and that was by Teresa Washington. She has some really awesome work that that speaks to Yoruba culture. That's great. That's that's a perfect place to start. And I'm already going to put these books on my Amazon wish list so that I can like, or maybe I'll check them out at the library. That's that's actually better for the environment <laughs> than like buying books all the time. Yeah. And then there's also Baba Laos and like spiritual people out there that can, that can provide guidance because everyone's on a different path and um, has different personalities and talk to elders, talk to people and different spiritual practices that may guide you. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Zaleka, for coming on. I mean, we got into a lot and there's still so much to uncover. I would actually love to have you on again because like I really wanted to get on this topic of Beyonce and how because of her recent work with Lemonade, we're seeing a lot of Oshun references and like Mm -hmm. I would just love to geek out with you and talk more about that soon. Absolutely. Oshun is often depicted wearing a yellow dress. So there's a lot of imagery um, in Lemonade. And then she's pregnant with twins right now, which yes. is like, oh, Shun was pregnant with twins. So it's just, oh my it's, God. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's gone to whole new levels. <laughs> Where can people find you if they want to hear more about your work? If maybe they would like to read your dissertation, where can they find you? Anyone interested in um, 
receiving my dissertation for free, email me at Z-E-L-A-I-K-A at gmail.com. And I'm also at Zaleka.com. And then through my website, you can have links to my Facebook and my Instagram and my Twitter account. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Zaleka. I really appreciate your time. And my gosh, you've given me so much to think about. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all within you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to the sexually liberated woman podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did share it with a friend or leave a five-star review on iTunes. As for me, Evian, you can find me on my blog, sexloveliberation.com, where I write essays about sex, sensuality, and erotic power. I'm also on Instagram at evian.whitney, that's E-V-Y-A-N period, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, where I'm capturing moments of brazen femininity and sexuality throughout the day. And if you want to be a sexually liberated woman, go to sexloveliberation.com slash SLW, and maybe I'll be chatting with you about your journey of erotic empowerment someday. See you in the next episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.